Hello and welcome to Pressing Matters, a fly on the wall style podcast about WordPress, business and life. Your hosts are Ian. Hello. And Jack. Hello. Ian's a plug-in author and works for Delicious Brains. And Jack runs better notifications for WP and his web design agency. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Pressing Matters for 2020. Ian, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Happy New Year, Jack. Um, yeah, all, all well, thank Thanks. you. I'm pretty exhausted from Christmas. This was a, a busy but good time. And oh man, it's the 10th of January already. I feel like I feel like Christmas and the New Year and all of that kind of stuff is now in distant memory. So yeah, back mm. back to work, back to reality. But yeah, lots to lots to get on with and. I'm excited for the new year. How about yourself? Do you have a good one? Yeah, good. Yeah, happy new year to you too. Um, yes, I did. Yes, it was it was uh, relaxing. We didn't do much traveling, which was really nice. Stayed at home, um, just spent it as a you know family of four for the first time. Yeah, nice. Um, which was yeah, it was really nice. Uh, my son decided to grow a tooth, learn how to walk, crawl, um, all that all that good stuff the week before Christmas. So yeah, so it was um, it was it was. It was fun and interesting, but also relaxing. And I came back feeling um, kind of quite refreshed and uh, if a bit nervous about how much work I've got mm. kind of coming up and going on and, and things I want to do this year. So, um, which I, I guess is perfectly, perfectly normal. I did work on my garden office a little bit. I finished off. I got gutter and all that sort of stuff uh, over the Christmas break as well. So feeling a bit more, uh, a bit more better about that. Um, but yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been good. It's nice. It's nice. I've been back at work for a week and I feel like it's gone quite well, quite productive. I haven't been to my co-working space this year yet. So when I go there and say, oh, happy new year, you know, to some people, there surely there's a cough in January where you have to say, you, you stop saying happy new year to people, even though you haven't seen that. And, you know, being English, it's perceived as being a bit rude not to say happy new year to somebody, but you know, um, I think it's a given that when you get into February, you don't say it. But what's the cutoff in January? Mm. I'm never, I'm never quite sure when that is. So, yeah, especially as January as the as the month goes on, it's quite long. It just people aren't always that perky near the end of it. So to come in and be a happy New Year, it's not. Yeah, you'd probably uh, be greeted with not smiles. No, especially like me, if you're doing a dry January as well, and you're just just desperately trying to get to the end of January. Oh, you doing? Happy New you're Year! You're doing dry. Yeah, Are you struggling? Ten ten days in? Or you're right? Uh, <laughs> it is Friday. I was going to make some sort of a joke about like having a bottle of gin right next to me, sort of reminding me. But no, I haven't. Um, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Um, you know, being around kids around Christmas and everything, you can't sort of you know drink lots or anything and i wouldn't have said that my christmas was particularly boozy um as as many people's are but uh but it was there was enough and i just kind of i I wanted a bit of a break to be honest i've had like quite a few social events over sort of november december and i just thought you know what i just want to kind of give it a rest for a little while so i'll do a dry january i did one a few years ago and i really enjoyed it actually so Hmm. um yeah that's that but anyway on to the topic of discussion for the day we've got a topic Um, we have got a topic, yeah. So something I've been thinking about, um, which I couldn't find a huge amount of information about online, is potentially moving my nine add-ons for my WordPress plugin into a single pro version. And there's kind of a number of reasons for that. Um, I've I, Where I've developed basically one to two add-ons a year for the last couple of years, it's been becoming more and more difficult to kind of test all of them 
uh, and roll out updates for them. Uh, so you know you might update one plugin, uh, one up, uh, one add-on rather, but uh, several other add-ons will need to be updated to accommodate for that change or. However, you know, whether that's a minor code change or whether it's because that introduces a feature that other add-ons need to integrate properly with without breaking. Yeah. And then you need to update the, the core plugin as well. And I'm finding the the test, the testing, the overhead of testing for all those add-ons to kind of grow um, out of control to the point, we're well, not out of control, but to the point where I'm less enthused about releasing a new update and mm. I don't really want that. Um, but also it's there's a couple of there's kind of other driving reasons as well there, there is a, a certain amount of customer confusion I'm finding particularly between my conditional notifications and custom fields uh, add-ons um, people always ask me about you know kind of an if if and else kind of statement um, that's usually a conditional thing that is a conditional thing in programming but people for some reason always ask about that in a custom fields capacity mm. and i think rolling getting rid of that having a single plugin a single pro plugin uh, would help with that confusion um so and the development overhead as well i i think it would be it would reduce the cost a little bit um it would reduce the overhead it would just kind of reduce the amount of work all over really so it's something i've seriously considered and it's something i think we touched on last year when discussing kind of plugins do you go on the add-on model and do you go on the pro model yeah yeah and i think when you mentioned it to me the other day it, it really resonated with me because um just running up to christmas I was developing a new add-on for WP User Manager, and similarly, it mm -hmm. touched the core plugin. It touched other add-ons, and it was the first time I'd kind of done that release with it. And it was not a struggle, but it was annoying. Um, and I've I've since deployed that uh, and released it in January, and had some sort of customers going, "Oh, why doesn't this work?" And it's because the new release, the new add-on came out and they updated core, but also another add-on that they had, they hadn't updated and that had mm. some dependencies. And yeah, I, I've almost been coming to the same conclusion as you. So I, I thought, well, we thought it'd be good to dive into this and come at it from both angles because there are people doing the add-on model that, you know, the free, free WordPress plugin on wordpress.org with premium add-ons. And there are people that are doing a free plugin and a pro version um and yeah yeah the, it, it's kind of like the two ways of doing it there's not much as you say about on the on the web about why you perhaps would do one over the other or perhaps why you might change um so yeah it's a good topic to go into i actually put out a tweet the other day asking for i don't know people just to contact me if they'd moved from the add-on model to a free and a pro plugin just to sort of see how often this happened, if it was prevalent within the WordPress sort of plugin development community, why people had done it if they did. Um, and it, it sparked some good discussion, actually. I got some people contacting me, I got some people um, having a conversation on the post status Slack channel. Um, and I sent out a few follow up emails as well. So I think we've kind of got quite a good rounded um, opinion on it, I guess, now. But yeah, I mean, do you want to start with? It sounds like Jack, you're you're very much leaning towards it. So, do you want to go with what you're, why you're thinking that, and then we can, you know, I I feel like 
I feel like I don't want to have this sort of debate where we just say add-ons are it's a bad model and nobody should do it. I think there is pros to doing it, but yeah, why why now? You know. Yeah, sure. So I may have mentioned this previous podcast but i know myself well enough now that if i've come to some kind of conclusion about something it's usually because my head's done the processing in the background somewhere and if i've come to the conclusion that oh i've suddenly noticed that the testing overhead the development overhead and other things like that are um becoming too time consuming then and i thought well maybe the pro plugin is is the way to go um then usually that means i probably will go down that route because i've already done the thinking about it and i'm pretty sure that that is what I'm going to do that's what I'd like to do anyway it certainly makes sense to me um, but obviously I need to look at the uh, the side of the customers because the the my half of, of saving on that that time and kind of unifying that experience uh, there's a lot of pluses there but I, I don't exist within a bubble the other part of it is that all of my customers have downloaded all these add-ons what happens to them and I've been trying to sort of work out what what I will do there and I think the biggest part of this will actually be how I communicate to the customers, what happens to them, what happens to their existing licenses and things mm. like that. And I'm still working out the details of that and we can kind of go into yeah. some thoughts and about that. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, originally I only had one add-on. So to have a pro version with very specific functionality, which was the custom fields add-on, um, it didn't seem to make any sense. And I went down the add-on route, I think because you know, when I, I first released the add-on, which was 2015, I I, I had sort of greatly admired uh, the companies like um, Easy Digital Downloads and WooCommerce, and they're the, you know, they have lots of add-ons, and I saw the benefit of that, and I thought, okay, I see how that would work, I see how you had this sort of modular individual functionality for things, and that makes sense, and I don't like huge amounts of, like, bloat, you know if you can have um i like the idea of having one plugin as opposed to many plugins but at the same time if that one plugin is enormous mm. then that can be you know a, a resource hog in your wp admin and so on so I, it made a lot of sense to me that being said i think the add-on model works really well for people with a huge volume of add-ons like woocommerce and edd because having a single pro plugin even if you can kind of disable and enable those add-ons in the kind of a modular fashion within a pro plugin it, it would just be completely overwhelming and it would be an enormous enormous mm. pro plugin so i said you know you were saying earlier that there's we're not saying one way or the other whether the add-on model or the pro model is the the right way to go i think the add-on model personally for those kinds of plugins works really well um that being said you do see with EDD at least them sort of moving towards that pro model because they've enabled an all access pass, which is like saying this this is like the like you get access to all the add-ons that you want, and it's almost like a pro version. You know, yes, they're all separate still; it just gives you access to them. But it's like having a pro version with everything included if you want it. And okay, you don't enable or disable them, but you get to download them at will. Um, and install them at will. So I think that's an interesting kind of middle ground between the two, really. I don't think WooCommerce does that, but um, mm. yeah, that's kind of how I see the, that that part working. And then obviously there's there's lots of examples of the pro model, but I kind of come to that conclusion organically, and usually that means that I'll probably go down that route myself. Yeah, it, I think it's an interesting point you make. It's a good point about the type of plugins that do better with the add-on model. I think. You, obviously you mentioned WooCommerce and EDD you know the e-commerce plugins 
It depends what your plugin does. With e-commerce, it's broad and it can it can do lots of things. And you might want to connect to different payment gateways and whatever, or different email marketing things. But with I think with better notifications, WP and WP User Manager, they do one thing. You know, they're they're, they're touching or making better the notifications part or the user management part of WordPress. And it doesn't. I, I think a that doesn't mean we have a bucket load of add-ons, so it would be easier to go the pro route. And B, you're going to get probably customers that will need more of that functionality. Whereas with WooCommerce, you're not going to need every a customer's not going to need every payment gateway. They're not going to need every um, connection to a marketing service. They're not going to need all of those add-ons. So yeah, you're right. The, for them, the pro version just doesn't make sense, and it would be massive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Uh, I think what you said also about when you started, like this this whole debate about pro versus add-ons is only relevant really to us because we've we've got to a point where we've got more than five add-ons, for example, and it becomes a bit of a burden and a bit of an annoyance. But if you're starting out and you've just got a free plugin that does X and you want to add a little bit more functionality, it doesn't make sense just to suddenly put on a pro version and charge people you know a, a high amount for something that is only just a small piece of functionality so the add-ons totally mm-hmm. make sense um yeah and, and coming from it from the size the the if you you do convert your add-ons into a pro version we, you still have bloat in terms of you still have a lot of code not all of it will be running but do users want that? Yeah, it's. I'm just trying to see because we we really wanted the tweet when I sent out some the the tweet to ask people who'd gone through it before. We really wanted some perspectives and experience, um, mm. and, and more importantly, on how if they did it, how they did the transition, because I think that's the like the hardest part of it. Um, you know, actually bundling the add-ons into the plugin from a technical point of view is, is probably quite easy, but it's how do you deal with, you know, y- your existing user base? Um, and it it was good. We sent out an email to Elliot uh, Condon, friend of the show uh, from ACF, Advanced Custom Fields. And, you know, because he, he's the first person that came to mind really when it when talking about moving an existing add-ons to a pro version and he did that when did he do that jack you looked up that i did yeah let me have a look see if i can find the post again um so he had he's written a kind of a couple of things he had four add-ons didn't he for the advanced custom fields free version which was pretty much huge did everything that really needed it to do but the the add-ons were the repeater the gallery the flexible content i think Mm -hmm. and maybe the options page as well and they were obviously doing specific part pieces of functionality that were doing I think you know I can't even remember how much they were to buy each I certainly was a customer of of them at the time but then he made the shift possibly 2013 2014 2013 well the the date published on this article I'm looking at which was sort of guidance for upgrading to version 5 which is when they moved to a pro plugin was March April 2017 but I thought it was a lot 
it older was, than that. Yeah, that being it, said, I wrote a post about uh, it in 2014, which okay. he announced. That's when he announced ACF Pro. Okay. Uh, and bundling, rolling back to version four. Uh, it was a little while ago. Yeah. Anyway, but that um, I mean that was, I think, quite an important change. But from what Elliot said on his email to, back to me, that it it caused a stir, um, not necessarily customers, but it caused a stir because I think he migrated at the time from ACF four to ACF five. So that was when he realised that the dependency management between all of the add-ons and the and the free version was a pain. So it was better just mm-hmm. to bundle them all, and then. You know, you can create new logic that might actually touch two of the add-ons easily because they're all together. Um, mm-hmm. So, from from a customer point of view, I don't think they found it from what he said too bad. But because there was a breaking change really between ACF four and ACF five, um, I think there was a bit of an outcry between you know in the WordPress development community or the WordPress community, which, as we we, we know with things that happened with Gutenberg is probably louder than it is important if that makes sense because mm-hmm. we are in our WordPress community of developers and business owners and people who are so focused on WordPress that when things affect us we're loud and we think it's the world's coming down I'm guilty of it with Gutenberg but actually for users who are, or just people using the plugins on a site they don't give two hoots about it too much unless it's suddenly and you jack up the prices by 10 times the amount like they don't care what happens as long as they can do their custom fields and they can you know create their sites and make their money i guess so mm-hmm. i don't think he's had to he didn't have too much of a backlash um but as we were talking about earlier i think because he's now changing his pricing in 2020 or this year he's been very cautious about giving people um advance notice of what's changing even though it's actually not affecting his current users um mm-hmm. and he's tried to be very very um thorough about the communication and the change and i guess that is the that's the problem isn't it how do you say you do that and tomorrow how do you what do you do with existing customers you've got yeah like, you know it's, you've got what nine add-ons right yeah absolutely i mean the the easiest one i think Actually, I just want to backtrack just ever so slightly um, because I think there's an important decision before that. And that is whether I go down the route of creating... So Elliot's obviously got ACF, which is free. And then he's got ACF Pro, which is a completely separate plugin. Mm-hmm. And if you, I think, I'm fairly sure that if you activate Pro, it will deactivate the free version. So, because it is completely standalone yeah, on its own, which is pretty typical, um, isn't it? With the free pro model, you it's you can't with with the way the WordPress.org repository and its restrictions, you can't kind of like press a button and unlock features within a free version. So you you're left with this physical having two zips of the plugins mm-hmm. uh, or two installs, and you have to install the pro version, deactivate the other one, but everything works in the database, which is it's the norm, isn't it? But are you suggesting it is. different? I, I'm I'm curious as to whether I go down like almost like it's like a pro add-on route. So it's the the all the nine add-ons would be combined into a single add-on, which would be labelled 
Pro. Mm. So you still have to install the free plugin, and then you buy this one that is an add-on to that that makes it has all the Pro features. Yeah. So I don't know if that's. I mean, I, I, to me, that kind of makes sense because then you've still just got the dependency of one free plugin. And you don't have to kind of maintain, you know. Uh, the, I, I appreciate obviously it's, it's it's all automated, but you don't have to maintain two separate things. You're just maintaining one thing, which is the pro add-on. Yeah, that sort of makes sense to me. But then maybe that only makes sense to me because I've been operating in the pro, sorry, in the add-on uh, plugins, and route it's been separate for this from all this time. Core free, yeah. So a counterpoint yeah. to that, um, you know, the Migrate DB Pro. Or the, the Delicious Brains plugins all kind of have that free core plugin and pro version like ACF Pro. So it's it's basically the free version, the same as the free version, but with extra features. So they're two separate. You can't run them together, and they're different to what you're suggesting. And we've, mm -hmm. you know, the benefits of that, I guess, and from a technical perspective, they're all on the same repository. They're the same code base, but you've got some folders classes or whatever which are pro and when the plugins get built into the zips that'll get stripped out so it's not it's not like you're managing two repos or two uh, which is really hard to do um mm -hmm. but we found that the added benefit i guess as well is if we're developing a certain feature that perhaps uh, means that it's going to be code is going to go into the free version um we've got almost like two user bases. We've got a free user base and we've got a pro user base. And we can potentially release features or code changes to the free user base to test what's happening in the pro. It doesn't do that all the time, but it's quite helpful to, um, because A, they're not paying customers. B, we've probably got more of them using the free version. So therefore, it's it's a good testing base. Um, and this isn't, mm -hmm. it, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not advocating pushing code that you don't test yourself and go through rigorous testing that we do but it's sometimes nice to have a staggered deployment approach because you release the updates of the free version one week just make sure there's no bugs that have crept in that we might want to hot fix and then do the pro version so it's almost like um a staggered deployment process that you, you you're taking care of the pro version users a little bit more i guess um mm -hmm. so you have that yeah. you have no, that no, benefit that. with the two plugins um yeah. No, I completely understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but then moving on from from that, on your kind of original question, um, is how you deal with your customers after that. Yeah. So I released the, as you did, the bundles uh, before Christmas. So if I think it, mine was October, November time. And um, I've had a few sales of that now, so that's good. Mm. Quite a few sales of that now. And one of the bundles is the complete bundle. So it gives them access to all the add-ons. So that's really easy. So I can migrate those very few users to a different um, subscription or gift them a, you know, the pro version or whatever that might be. And that nothing would change for them at all. Um, the only thing they might have to do, I guess, is to change their pricing or something you know change how that subscription works um the people that have bought one add-on or more than one add-on um i noticed what acf did which i thought was quite nice is once you've kind of up, once you updated the plugin into a uh, a single uh, the free version then you've got the pro version um all the add-ons were also updated to make sure that they work with that new um kind of 
I don't know, code base, I guess. So that meant that the users got a little upgrade as well. But moving forward from then, no more no more updates unless they were like critical bug mm. fixes or something were going to be rolled out to the add-ons. All the work development work was going to be done in the free and pro plugins. And I liked that approach, but at the same time, you think, okay, so you're you're essentially cutting off those add-on users. Do you then go through and just cancel all of their subscriptions so that they're not automatically renewed and potentially shoot yourself in the foot when it comes to mm, you yeah. know renewing? But then when you're when they're renewing, they're renewing for me for two reasons: they're getting priority support and they're getting automatic updates. Which they is, will no longer get automatic yeah. updates, but they do still get access to priority support. So I suppose what you could do is you could cancel all of their subscriptions, understand that you'll take a financial hit the, the next year or from the next subscription update, might be the day after you've done that, for example, for some people, um, but then still give them somehow access to priority support in their account. They don't have to have an active license to be able yeah. to do that. Um, so that's one thing. It still gives them what they paid for, essentially, but you know without them having to pay again. Uh, and then just make it like give them a huge discount or something on the pro plugin just to say, you know, you're existing customer. So for you, you will get, I don't know, 50% off or 75% off or something like that to get them onto that. But just for the first year and then moving on from there, you know, is full, is full price. And I haven't worked out any part of the pricing yet. Mm. I don't know what it's going to cost or anything. So the, that's kind of how I thought I would deal with like just the add-on users that have only had that have had one or more add-ons. And obviously, the more add-ons you have, uh, the more appealing the pro version will be. The least number of add-ons you have, this might either a annoy users because it could be a huge upgrade in price, or it could be like, oh great, I get access to a load more stuff now because I only have to buy one thing, which was cheaper than buying nine things. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's sometimes difficult to look at the ACF example because from from what Elliot said, he actually gave all existing customers of add-ons a free version of ACF Pro. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we've talked about it with him on the show that his pricing of ACF Pro up until, obviously, the recent update that's coming out soon has been historically very low. So even if but he wasn't perhaps losing that much when if somebody had bought one add-on and it was, I don't know, 50 or $29, I can't even remember, Aussie dollars, and then mm -hmm. the ACF Pro was then $99, He's not losing a huge amount, but we're talking add-ons that are $39, $49 each. And, you know, a, an example of a pro version is what you're perhaps not going to um, charge less than $100 and mm -hmm. probably more likely to be 150 to 200 or something. So mm -hmm. you can't necessarily give, or you could, but would it make business sense to give everybody who's purchased one user or more, uh, one add-on or more, a free version just to get them, you know, moved across to that model. Um, I, I mean, personally, I think uh, Elliot has, has been over generous so far in that, you know, he's given away a free version of the pro add-on when he made that switch. I wouldn't do that personally. Um, I think there's too much opportunity for uh, a different kind of customer, a different kind of um, subscription, uh, a um, an increase in in revenue there. But also, he's um, he's kept his pricing very low for a very long time, and 
I don't necessarily agree with that either. And obviously, I know he's just changing it off the back of the fact that he's kept his pricing so low for such a long time. So I think he's always been very generous in terms of what he's done with with regards to pricing and and giving things away. And and you know, even how much you get for free with the ACF free plugin, you know, as well. So um, I'm not sure that's something I would I would do. I think I'd probably go down more like the route that I've just sort of kind of explained. But um, yeah. I, I'd still, I'm still very unsure about how that's all going to work. Um, and, and the other thing as well is that I, I appreciate that there are, when you make big decisions like this, regardless of what they, they are about, you're going to have some kind of backlash. And it's it's managing that. It's setting aside some time to to deal with, with that part of it. Um, some people will go, well, I've just bought... I've just bought the add-ons or whatever like that. You could also say something like, okay, anyone that's bought an add-on within the last 30 days gets a full refund or gets a partial refund or something yeah. like that as well um, to, to help with all of that. So there's a num- I, there's no right or wrong way to do it, I think, ultimately, and you have to do what works for you and your plugin and your audience, your customers as well. Um, and how you go about that, again, is quite different. Mine will end up being a blog post on the website and uh, um a, a mailing list mail out and possibly some kind of notice somewhere within one of the plugin screens in the dashboard you know kind of you know not like yoast seo levels you know uh but uh like somewhere very very small it won't even be an admin notice it might just be a, a bit of text in a yellow box or something down on the you know in the side or something yeah so it's that kind of thing it's that kind of thing yeah i i think the pricing is an interesting one, not not just from a point of view of how you would do it if you made the change, but it's also a, a reason to change as well. I think, um, you know, we both acknowledge that, and, and this is something that Elliot made a point of as well, it's a simpler decision for customers, even though perhaps it's, if, you, if you're talking existing customers who are used to the add-on model, then yes, the pricing is going to be higher, so they might be slightly more put off by it. But if you've got a new customer coming to your site, the difference between choosing one, um, one purchase option at one price, maybe different price tiers for installs or whatever, but just buying one thing rather than, oh, okay, do I need this add-on? Do I need that? How much is this? Whatever, and yeah, we we kind of negate that with the access passes and the bundles and the pricing tiers and all of that. But also for them having to install zips, having to install multiple license keys, like Elliot said, simplicity is happiness. It equals happiness, and I think that's that's true. Um, we I also got an email from Steve at PublishPress.com, who mm-hmm. uh, went the same route to migrate from add-ons to pro. And he partially did that because uh, of other plugins that they'd acquired were the, the free pro model. So they thought consistency was better, which I agree mm-hmm. with. And actually, you know, my Instagram, Instagram plugin integrate is free and pro, whereas WP user mm-hmm. manager is add on. So I'm kind of, I'm having to context switch quite a lot. Um, so yeah. I, I think the consistency is a good point, but he makes the point as well that people are very used to the kind of the one choice I've got a free version. I need to pay to upgrade it to pro. Like he cites apps and other things that, you know, we're used to doing that. Um, add-ons is a funny thing. I really, I, like it's always, It's. I, I think the add-on model has always got a bad rep, I think, because you feel like you're, um, 
you're taking apart all of, or breaking apart all of this functionality and saying to people, no, you can't have that unless you pay for it. You can't have this sort of nickel and diming people for certain um, functionality that actually probably the the um, percentage of plugins in the WordPress space there's a higher um, ratio of free and pro plugins than there are add-ons so mm-hmm. when people are so used to buying things if they suddenly think oh, well I can't get that unless I buy that add-on and I buy that add-on like I don't know if customers always feel that good about it but no, no, I agree with you. I'll give you a good example, actually, um, of my own plugin. So there is a feature of the, I have uh, two add-ons. One's called the send to any email add-on. And the other one is the custom fields add-on. And when you use custom fields, you can get, you know, the, the contents of a custom field from a post and insert it into a notification. So you've got a custom field that says, I don't know, location, on uh, your post post type and you want to send out a notification for when new posts are published you can include the contents of that custom field in that notification so it's pretty straightforward with the send to any email add-on that allows you to send emails to users that are not wordpress users so bnfw only works on you know the wordpress user roles and users but if you want to send to people like just an email address for example you might have a an editor that doesn't or not an editor that's a bad example but say a a site admin uh who's the owner of a business he wants to know what's going on with the site but he doesn't want to log in he's not interested in logging in or dealing with any part of the wordpress admin or running the site but he wants to be included in what's going on on his site or her site then um, you know you can include an email address, so it's it's pretty small piece of functionality, but it works quite well. Um, the if you have the custom fields add-on installed as well, you can then you, instead of a, an email address that you manually type into the send to box for that notification, you can then include a custom field in the send to box for that notification, so that you might be editing a um, you might be editing a a post. And you say, okay, I want to send this notification out to this user's email address, put that into a custom field, and then that will dynamically populate the send to field for that notification and send it out to someone different that time. So you can, it's kind of, it's a bit, I hope I'm explaining it correctly. I've got a little video on my site showing you how to do it. Um, But it's quite a powerful thing to be able to use. But you have to have both those plugins installed. Um, And one's £34 and the other one is £39. And it's arguable, is that small piece of functionality worth those combined figures? Because some people might want that exact piece of functionality, but they've got by two add-ons mm. that they won't use You know, all of that functionality for. They'll just use that tiny, tiny little bit. So that's another argument, I think, for having a pro version where you, know, you pay one, one amount. And okay, it may be slightly more than that, but they just get this overall this huge amount of access to things that they they want and it might allow me to streamline some of those features as well i've i've gotten to a point where i think should this be part of this add-on should it be part of that add-on this particular bit of functionality that i want to develop and you're never quite sure and you can it you don't have to pick and choose so much you can kind of just put it in or, or create a new module or something that's enabled you know in the in the the pro version and then if you want to change that at a later date it's much more easier to rather than saying okay i'm not selling that add-on anymore yeah i've actually rolled that add-on into something else yeah i think that is where our our type of plugins that we sell 
are so they're not so niche, but they have a very specific functionality that means that we're going to have this crossover all the time between oh, does that feature belong in that add-on or does you know should we split that out? And the interdependency between add-ons is just doesn't feel right when you think well if you want that you've got to have that. And I've got a similar issue with one of my add-ons. It's it does the user verification. And it basically does two mm -hmm. things, but it's like an either or option. So this is an add-on that when users sign up, you can either turn on like an email verification, which is almost like, okay, they have to confirm via email that they're real and then they get signed up to the site. Or mm -hmm. the add-on has the other option and it's actually, you can't do both. You have one or the other. Has like an admin manage sign up screen. So everybody mm -hmm. who signs up is in pending until the admin man like does them and to me that's two separate functionalities that you actually could use together you still want email people to confirm their emails via um confirm they're real via email and clicking a link in an email sent to them and you might want people to do the admin um, management of signups so i'm considering splitting that into two add-ons but then actually there's not enough meat on the bones of both those add-ons to kind of um warrant the same cost of an individual add-on so it would be so much more sense to put it in just a one pro version and have it as another feature of the pro version you can verify have people um, confirm their email their their existence by email address or and you can have sorry use not using or and you can have admins managing signups as well it's just another feature it doesn't have to be an add-on with a full-blown feature set to warrant people buying it for fifty dollars or forty dollars, or it just like it makes it so much easier, I think, for us and users to decide what they want. Um, but yeah, I think you run the risk of if you if you were to split those into two add-ons, you'd have to reduce the cost of either of both of them potentially because you're removing functionality and adding it into another. So then you've got these two small add-ons that don't cost very much and as such you probably won't want to necessarily develop for them very much because they're not you know they're, mm. they're not your your big you know money earners kind of thing you, you, and then you've got the risk of if you're well if you're not developing them very much you've got add-ons that kind of go a bit stale uh why would i want to buy an add-on that you haven't updated since 2017 and it's 2020 because all i'm paying for updates and support and if it does one thing we've yeah exactly we've had this conversation there's no point for someone who wants to to buy an add-on and pay money year on year if there's no updates to it and because yeah, it's too small a piece of functionality to warrant changes or updates. And yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I feel like I'm convincing, being convinced myself here um, to make the change. Uh, but just going back to the whole kind of like we, I think we're still coming from it from a developer point of view. Like it's easier for us to do it and manage, um, manage the feature set, manage technically um, the code base and release and deployment testing, like all of those things, I think make it a, a, um, an, an obvious choice to make. But I think, and, and this is something that Daniel Iser in the post status Slack channel made a point of, it's a balancing act. It's, we've got to balance what we want as a developer. And you, you know, you said it before, you're not in a bubble. It's the user, it's the customer. We've got to, and he, you know, he, he's made the point, you've got to balance it with user experience because you will potentially, 
and with the WooCommerce example, if they bundled all the plugin add-ons together into one big pro, it would be bloat. It would be jetpack. It would be not a very nice big plugin. But perhaps for our case, it's not. You know, my add-ons are maybe two, three PHP files. They're not a large load of stuff. The assets aren't very big. Most like if you rolled that into one, it wouldn't be a humongous plugin. Like in terms of zip size or file size, what it does, how it. Um, it's not going to drain the front end like I think you mentioned before that both our plugins are there's stuff in the admin so it's not necessarily you're not going to see a performance issue for users on the front end um, but yeah it's still a user uh, an issue of users and the customers will they want to buy the pro version rather than like and I think you and me are in the same boat we've got a very popular one add-on and other add-ons are getting sold, but you've got one that outsells the rest. How will it yeah. affect those customers that come and go, I just want that functionality, that's all I want. Like, and we still get it with MigrateDB Pro. We want people, we've got people who go, well, I just want to buy like this certain piece of functionality, but you only get it if you're a different license tier. And it's like, well, we can't just give you that functionality or, or sell it separately because it's, it's quite a lot of work and A, it's a popular one as well, but like, how are we going to, do we just reconcile it in our heads and say, well, actually those customers have got to lump it or leave it kind of thing? Yeah, it is true. I think there's probably a certain amount of that. I mean, you know, companies change their products and their offerings all the time, mm. you know, and it's, you know, physical products as well as, um, as, as well as regular products. Um, it, it just... It, I suppose it introduces a certain element of choice into it. For example, I buy jeans from Gap. They always seem to fit me quite well, and they seem to last quite a long time. Um, uh, however, the particular type of jeans that I wear, I don't wear anything odd. It usually is uh, like a, a slim fit. They they never they they change it. I can't tell you how many times they've I I've gone to try on a pair of slim fit jeans, and they've been really really baggy. And I don't wear baggy trousers, baggy jeans. Um, so then I'll try on their skinny variety. They also have a super skinny, but I don't go for those. I tend to try their skinny ones on and they're absolutely fine. They're like their old slim fit jeans. And then a few years later, it will be in reverse again. And there's, it, it's just, what it allows me to do is then shop around for other people and try and find another brand mm. that I like instead. And I think that all it does is it opens it up to people. It's like, well, if, if you you can't please everybody and if you can't please some people, they might go for another Plugin. There are a number of plugins there out there now that do a similar thing to what I do um, that didn't exist when I when I started, and that might be a better fit for them now, mm. you know, because they've historically gone with my plugin, but now they want to use someone else, and I'm okay with that because obviously we probably weren't a good fit, but historically they, we have been together, you know, customer and and developer, and it just gives them that opportunity to go somewhere else if they want to and they might be happier and i'm happy for them if that's if that works out that way um i'm just having a look as well you were saying about bloat size and everything i'm looking the smallest plugin i have uh unzipped is 246 kilobytes yeah uh, so it, they're small <laughs> yeah i think that, i think the, the the idea of bloat and i, I want to come back to what you talked about competitors and other people but the idea of bloat i guess it isn't just file size but it's potentially a settings UI that suddenly now becomes completely um, busy and cluttered with all your options, all your features. Not, not, I'm not saying you and, and WP 
um, notifications for WP. But if you suddenly give everything into one plugin, you've got to somehow give, um, you, you know, you, you would have customers who have all your add-ons and they'll see all of that in the UI, but there's, there's bloat in, I guess, number of ways. Um, but yeah, it's still thinking about our specific cases. I don't think that's an issue. What you just said about competitors, about you, you know, you're quite happy that if people maybe go somewhere else and you know they're not a good fit for you and whatever. It, it, it's interesting that I think the pricing models and the business models that we're discussing are sometimes used between competitors in a kind of to give a competitive edge. And I can think of one mm-hmm. example would be in Ninja Forms versus Gravity Forms. And Gravity Forms mm-hmm. has always been a pro version with everything. I believe I'm not sure whether or not they've added extensions or whatever now, but and Ninja Forms have, has yeah. historically been the free core plugin and add-ons, and mm-hmm. you know we've we know from what we've just said there's pros and cons of doing both from a user point of view and from a marketing point of view, but I think it's interesting how to, I think to see how they both succeeded in with different um, models, and sometimes I think people would go to Ninja Forms. And, and think, well, actually, I want to only buy this feature so I can just buy this add-on. I don't have to spend three times the amount on Gravity Forms. And I think that sometimes gives Ninja Forms a competitive edge. But then by the Mm -hmm. same token, people who want a lot of stuff won't want to buy all the add-ons or or perhaps the access passes, which I know they've introduced later on, and Gravity Forms seems the better deal. So it's it's funny. And I I had a question for you, because I know there's... In my space, the user management WordPress plugin space, there's competitors who do both models. So I kind of feel like, you know, I've got a competitor that does the same as me and a competitor that just has a pro version. So do, like, what's the same for you? Do you have, are people going to suddenly go, oh, he's not doing add-ons anymore, so I'll go somewhere else? Or, you know, ha- will that change in your market space? Yeah, it's a good question. So the there's sort of one main, I say main competitor. I don't really consider them to be a competitor so much as someone else that just does something similar. Um, but um, <laughs> I I don't think that Ian just kind of did the brushing off the shoulder Jack, motion. Just flexing there. there. I don't consider them a competitor. I just oh yeah, they're yeah. nothing to me. No, um, <laughs> no, I I I don't I, I don't really consider them to be competitors. But they they do an add-on model, and I, I may have mentioned it before. They do their pricing is it's ex- exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, at one point it was exactly the same as mine, but, and whenever I changed mine, they would change theirs. So I there's noticed. no competitor um, that does the pro model. Not that I can see. I mean, there was there was a few plugins out there that used to do bits and pieces of the functionality that BNFW does or did, um, but they weren't maintained or they only existed in like a pro version on like CoCanyon. Mm. So I didn't see anyone doing like the free pro model. And and there might be now. I do occasionally look out, you know, I kind of Google some keywords and see if anything else kind of pops up. And I haven't done that for a few months. And I should probably do that again before I make a firm decision about moving to a pro plugin. But um, yeah, no, there's not, there's nothing really out there. And I'd, I'd be interested to see if, if my decision has any influence on anyone else, you know, at all. I'm not expecting it to. But. No, I don't, I don't necessarily mean it will make an influence, but like you will be, if, if that is the case and the kind of the, the co-canning people are kind of gone on on the wane slightly and your you and your other nearest competitor are on the add-on model if you turn to the pro version then you're differentiating yourself from them and 
in a different way whether or not that will will help that's it's yeah. pure conjecture i guess of what will what will happen um but yeah i think mm. you, you will be the simpler choice perhaps but yeah I'd, maybe maybe yeah i don't think um, um i sorry yeah you go sorry no no you go you go carry on no i was gonna say i, I feel like i've 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 talked around it enough to decide where I potentially will be going in the future, but I wanted to then ask you pricing questions. But if you're still going, uh... I just had one other thing to say actually um, that I had thought of, and that was uh, the you know you were saying about bloat mm. and whether you have all these features. So whenever I test my add-ons, I have the free core plugin uh, enabled and I have all the add-ons enabled and that just allows me to make sure that they're working well together mm. um, and I don't find it overwhelming but there's plenty of opportunity to kind of rejig it and refactor the interface so that it's a bit more clean in the knowledge that all of those all of that functionality is enabled by default um, and I use uh, Ajax load more on a couple of sites and they have a free plugin which is pretty feature rich on wordpress.org and they have the pro plugin which is uh, modular and all the modules are enabled by default um, so it's things like you know making it more seo friendly caching um, being able to change how that load more works um, from a templating point of view so you can put a file in your uh, theme that overrides uh, that, that you can code in php uh, which is what is loaded when you click the load more button that mm. kind of thing rather than using kind of the WYSIWYG uh, generator editor thing that they provide within the plugin screen so you know if you're a developer like myself then obviously it gives you a bit more control over everything um, all those kinds of things and they're all enabled by default and I go in whenever I install it and just deactivate the ones I don't need and I only actually really use about three of them at the moment um, but you need to just buy the pro version there are no add-ons and that's good but it depends on whether you make that decision this is i suppose this is another how do you manage it for your customer's point of view uh, a question rather do you enable the most popular ones based on your previous add-on sales do you enable them all by default or do you have them all disabled by default and present it to them immediately after say the plugin is installed and say great now now i enable your modules and give like a tip box with what the module is and a brief description of what it does mm. yeah I, I guess my initial reaction is is that too much decisions at, at an onboarding stage when really you want them straight into the plugin without any friction and not, not kind of getting decision paralysis of, well, do I need to install this now or, or activate it now? What do I need? Do I know what I need kind of thing? Um, and, and also while yeah. you were just saying that, because that, that, that still kind of keeps that modular aspect to it. Whereas it does. one of, I've just had almost like a little debate within my, with myself that, I was looking to add some functionality around security passwords and stuff like that. And it, it, it didn't seem like the functionality I wanted to add was big enough to warrant a new add-on. And so my reaction was, well, let's just roll that into the free version. But with a pro version, it allows me to um, put those features in the pro version. And like they don't need to be part of a bigger add-on that has to be standalone on its own that it's going to cost money and like it can just be another sort of small feature of the pro so that really is good for that however I've all, I'm just mentally going through my Trello board of add-ons that I potentially could give uh, develop 
And some of them are, are quite beasty in terms of big and not everybody's going to want them. So I can't, I'm, just, I'm now just thinking, well, even, even if I went down the pro version, what would I do with those ones? Because not everybody's going to want paid memberships on their user management site. Not everybody's going to want this or that. And do you know what I mean? Like the, where, that's where the add-on model really does work. Um, it so does. Even I with think... the modular stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it's, that's it's what the way it go. I think it's a tricky one because there's kind of two points I want to pick apart. There, the first one was like that might you said there that might be the password stuff might be a small part of the pro plugin. I think you if you're enabling someone to enable and disable modules, you have to enable and disable every module on oh, the pro yeah. plugin. But then that gets ridiculous. Than, that could be that could like how, you still got to categorize them. You still got to group the functionality. You still got to kind of. I know, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, for example, so I was thinking during this call that, you, okay, the subscriptions add-on, the GDPR kind of, you know, the stuff that helps you with GDPR compliancy that I have, that's a really useful add-on. And really that should be enabled by default, but it's too big a feature and too much of a valuable feature to have in the free plugin. It's a great kind mm. of, you know, uh, thing to awesome. upgrade to a, a, yeah. an add-on or a pro, pro plugin. Um, Enabling it by def uh, enabling it by default with no on off switch, I think, is dangerous because people go, okay, but I don't sell to Europe, I don't deal with you know anything to do with Europe, and I have to use this functionality because you've said that I have to, and I want to disable that. So that's really useful. I I think having the enable disable thing is re really useful there, even though in my view. Um, gdpr stuff mm. opting in by default you know your privacy aspects that should be a, a, a you know non-negotiable term for any website anywhere in the world regardless of whether you deal with europe and have to comply with that rule that's just you know my it, moral it'd on still it. have to be a but, setting though wouldn't it i mean that's it would like, it, 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 are we confusing settings and groups of functionality like a module like you could have a module of something that has lots of different uh, configuration settings and turning on and off and mm -hmm. yeah it it does get a bit muddy i mean the the alternative is, is that ev everything's enabled by default and you have a really good ui that kind of allows you to enable and disable that kind of the view of it yeah when doing something so for example in the notifications thing it's when you add in an add-on it usually adds another field to your notification that you can configure so maybe you just have uh you know a set of tabs along the top instead for all those various things yeah. and they're all disabled by default and if you want reminders you enable that if you want subscription stuff for this add-on you enable that and so you do it on a per add-on basis as opposed uh, sorry a per notification basis as opposed to you know globally within the entire pro plugin yeah it's um it's a it's interesting it's not as straightforward as i think that's almost the more complicated part is uh is how you deal with integrating them all into a single uh, pro plugin and it maybe it's worth thinking about if you were starting from scratch how would you do it if you could do it all again how mm. would you do it and maybe try and follow that route instead yeah but i think yeah you're right it's not as easy as perhaps we'd initially thought of right we've got all the add-ons they're all files we can just bundle them into the the code base and just load them together as they would be but yeah there is a lot more decisions around it um hmm yeah i might have be having a kind of a 180 at the moment during this whole call like podcast it's it's now yeah it's a there's definitely a lot to think about um 
Yeah, and and going back to my point about a f- a potential future add-ons that are bigger than, you know, for my existing add-ons, I can see it easily just wrapping them all up and putting them as a pro version. But mm-hmm. some things that may be planned, like it just doesn't it doesn't seem right to add that all to a pro version, um, unless, as you say, there's a really nice options and settings and ways of enabling it all. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I mean, looking at like Gravity Forms, you know, which you mentioned earlier, they just have a pre. It's just a premium plugin. Is there is no free version, and they do have uh, different tiers of pricing, which uh, give you access to essentially extensions or add-ons to that as well. Um, I mm. think the top one, I think, is something called a like Elite membership or something, uh, which I have, which gives you a lot of stuff really relating to like APIs and things that you might want to integrate you know, yeah. your form entries with. Do they come as actual physical uh, plugins, like extension plugins? Yeah. yeah. See, they that's do, what, yeah. I mean, that's They're similar separate. to MigrateDB Pro. Obviously, the difference being we've got a free version, but MigrateDB Pro has the Media Files add-on, the CLI add-on, the Multisite Tools add-on, and the Themes and Plugin Files add-on. And they are available to different license tiers, but they're still mm-hmm. actual plugins as well. And that causes yeah. some hassle. Like, there's almost, you know, the the suggestion that it, that moves to building, bundling them together in the pro version, but having different builds of the pro version. So instead of mm. if you buy the personal license and you get MigrateDB Pro Zip, and then you buy the developer license, you get MigrateDB Pro Zip, and you get multi-site tools Zip, blah blah blah. Those, you know the migrate db pro allows you to install them from one click within the plugin which is very it's handy but you still have physical three or four plugins on your site the there's a suggestion that we move to like actually or or the alternative should i say is you actually just have three different zips for the pro version one's the personal one which has no module add-ons inside it one's a developer which has all of them and what you know the code is still all together in one plugin, um, but you're only having one one zip and one plugin in your in your dashboard. But it's a it's a kind of a different flavor of the zip with more functionality, yeah. and and perhaps that's the way to go with what I'm trying to wrestle now with. If I add on extra functionality that really is quite a big thing, that it shouldn't be in the pro version. It should be a choice. It should be a choice, and it should also be a pricing option. I think. Like we, yeah. Don't forget that this is a marketing thing at the same time. Like, yeah, I suppose the only issue with that is that it kind of works in that way you were saying with um, MigrateDB Pro. You've got the free bit, and then the Pro class just doesn't get bundled in with the free bit when you release the free when it gets compiled and zipped up and you know ready to kind of put on WordPress.org. And then the separate one is, you know, yes, or the Pro class or like the rest of the plugin is included, and that's the one you sell on your site. And then you've got like a third one, which is kind of what you're suggesting, where you've got the free one, and then you've got the extra pro bit, and then you've got the extra bit as well. So do you not still have a dependency issue there? And, you know, kind of a uh, an overhead of development and I think a dependency development testing overhead there, because you're kind of extending this yeah. thing further and I, further? Yeah, I think... I mean, most of it would come down to just the deployment, cutting the zips and the release and the deployment, and how you you get that within your sort of your tooling, so you can say, right, go and build me a copy of the free version, or go and build me a copy of the pro version. And at the moment, it's obviously add-ons, but you could just say, go and build me a copy of 
the developer pro version and it will mm-hmm. copy the file the directory which is the add-on x or add-on y into that version but from a i guess you still be you'll be building that from a point of view that yes any changes that might happen to this add-on that is still needed in the pro version like there is a bit of dependency management there but it's better than 18 versions of add-ons and like mm. I, i'm looking far ahead i guess but and that's not going to affect me now if tomorrow i started to just to put a pro version together all the add-ons will be bundled in and it would just be one pro version um yeah yeah i suppose it's how you deal with um uh versioning like numbers as well because i know that say acf it keeps the same version between the free and the pro yeah so if you've got a bug yeah it is, yeah, and I and I like that because you always kind of know where you are. But if you've got a bug in the pro, the the code that only exists for the pro version, and you fix that and you roll out an update for the pro version, you don't have to do anything with the free version because that bug doesn't exist in there mm-hmm. and nothing to do with that code base. So it all goes out of sync like immediately, and then you're trying to keep track of of those. So this is why I'm kind of thinking this this was sort of my thinking around the or having the pro as a as a separate add-on essentially. The pro plugin is a as a separate plugin to begin with that runs off of the free version mm. because then you've got the version numbering for that pro add-on, which I think is how um uh, Ajax load more pro works i think you have to have both installed i might double check on the that. thing is you've got that but, dependency um, haven't you that they've got to update the free version and if they've got to update the pro add-on kind of bundler plugin that you're suggesting yeah. whereas yeah I, th- I mean from a migrate db pro point of view yes we've got two different version numbers the free is on a different version to the pro but that's two version numbers to worry about whereas you know with the add-ons we've got or i've got add-ons that are on 2.0 1.0.3 like it's confusing and it's hard to mm-hmm. keep track of i think acf works better keeping them in sync because the bulk of acf is in the free so it would be copied into the like it would be exactly the same in the pro so if a bug happens it's probably more likely to be something that is not add-on style functionality it would be stuff that mm-hmm. would be in the free but then yeah i wonder how elliot does get around that say there's a bug in the repeater field that isn't in ACF3, does he just release a new version of ACF3? Or does he just wait till there's there's other issues and fixes that can all be done together? Like there's there's a yeah. bit of an overhead of thinking about planning releases there, which I'm not sure I'd like to do that in sync model. I'd rather just cut a release of the pro and know that it's isolated code. You don't need the free version and it's 1.2 rather than, and the free version is on a completely separate track. But, yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I, I'm also wondering how he separates the development from constraint only on pro and going into free as well. Like, when does he decide what new features need to go into the free plugin as well? Because obviously, pro members will automatically benefit from that. But mm. uh, you know, you can't spend all your time doing just pro stuff. Um, so yeah. I have seen another example as well of versioning. There is one plugin, and I can't for the life of me think of the name of it now, but they follow the WordPress numbering. So mm. if 5.4 comes out, what, they uh, actually use the same numbering as... They use the same numbering, and I think it's so that they can, they, they can use the release schedule as well. So when you know that version comes out, you know, A, that that plugin works with that version of WordPress mm. because the version numbers are the same. And also... 
when they say we're going to release in the second week of May, you say, okay, that's when I'm going to release as well. So it sort of takes the 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 mental planning overhead away from yeah. you know that's, everything that as well. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that seems odd it, unless you've got a plugin that is really really heavily reliant and um, dependent on WordPress core functionality. So you have to be making changes every time they make changes. I mean, we've got mm. every time the WordPress changes anything to do with the media management the offload media plugin needs an update potentially but yeah it, right. that seems that seems strange to kind of you know hook your versioning wagon to that horse um yeah, yeah. very strange yeah. it's it's definitely interesting though that the more we've talked about this that the there is definitely pros for having add-ons like you know you've said about you know your plugin and and you could have a pro version and separate add-ons still or separate extensions or whatever as part mm. of the licensing um that it won't work for or it may not work for certain plugins like woocommerce or edd you know ones that have large amounts of functionality uh you know especially when it comes to payment gateways there's so many different payment gateways i mean you're not going to use them all you're only no. going to use sort of two three four something like that um so there's some really interesting plus sides for add-ons and i feel like obviously because we're both making a th uh, having a thought about moving to a pro version that we could be too pro focused in this but actually it's nice to know that there are you know there are definitely pluses for the add-on model and you know me and you have done perfectly well with the add-on model so far so it's only when you get to this point that we're considering a different model and even then there's a hybrid you know so mm. it's quite good and i think there's one more thing that i wanted to mention that's definitely a pro for adding add-ons uh, sorry having a, a a pro version um is that it's a much more simple website and sales page and help and support knowledge-based documents yeah because if you've got one thing that you're selling you can have a very very decent hopefully targeted sales page that could be highly converting um over oh, yeah multiple add-ons uh, listing the multiple add-ons yeah. yeah and it's something that i've struggled with and actually it was um i've forgotten his name the chap that did the uh the woocommerce extensions that we had on a few oh few james Kemp. yeah James Kemp, that's the one. So I liked how he did it because he still has, you know, these individual bits of functionality. They're essentially, they're not even add-ons, are they? They're individual WooCommerce plugins yeah. that have this sort of functionality. But he has a proper sales page dedicated to each one. Mm. And it, they look great. And I've really wanted to do that, but I've struggled to actually find... You can't do it with our add-ons, can you? You can't flesh it out enough. No, exactly. You can't flesh it out enough. And, and certainly taking a screenshot of a field doesn't look very sexy or appealing at all yeah um so it's very difficult to kind of do it in the way that he's done it but if you can you know do it with all the add-ons going down the screen with a with an image and some text and then have like a table at the bottom and prices and all that sort well of yeah stuff, i mean that they they they, they stop being add-ons don't they and they just become features that you can talk about and show off and give proper copy to rather than having to build a proper page an add-ons page yeah and, and i struggle with the same thing um mm. and also overhead of management of the like the edd backend like having lots of downloads having to update version numbers having to update change logs having to update zips like it's a pain in the ass especially if you do a release and it touches four or five add-ons like it's not that's not fun so no yeah but again it's it's got to be beneficial for everybody but 
I think from a developer point of view and from a marketing business point of view, it probably makes sense to for us in our cases to change. But I think I've said this before. I'll let you be the guinea pig, Jack. You can you go forward, and I'll see if you prosper. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay doing that. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you're I'll definitely like, further I'll along, I think, than me. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I think that's a, unless you've got any, existing other points to talk about. I think that's been a really good conversation. Like I, I, I feel like I've gone on my own little journey during the conversation, and I'm, yeah, still not, still not decided. But it's definitely food for thought. It is indeed. Yeah, the same. Um, food for thought had a had a little journey. Um, had a little cry. Had a good think about a what was going on. Had a drink, yeah, broke my dry January. Um, no, I had a good think about what it is, and I, it's given me plenty more to think about, especially that whole, will I make a huge add-on in addition to Pro? I need to look at my Trello board and work out mm. what's going on there. Maybe just duplicate my Trello board if I can and, and yeah. rejig the whole thing, you know. So, yeah, it's given me lots lots to do, lots to think about, all things that I don't have a huge amount of time for. Oh, moment, yeah, totally. I'm looking forward yeah. to the challenge, so. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're listening and like you you've you've done a similar thing or you're considering a sim, uh, a similar thing with your plugins, um, do let us know in the comments um, or just tweet us. Um, it'd be really interesting to hear some other experiences. And I probably will um, kind of roll because I've got a lot of info from people and there's quite a good argument here to um, or arguments around the subject. So I think I'll probably roll this into a blog post at some point. So stay tuned for that and. Yeah, I don't know where I'll blog about it, but it, it's probably blog post worthy. Absolutely, yeah. Um, before we go, uh, because obviously this is quite a big thing and could potentially take up quite a, an amount of either the year or the first part of the year or whatever it might be, do you have any other big kind of plans for 2020 at all or any plans at all for 2020 for you know, uh, yourself or your, your plug-in or Delicious Brains, kind of anything really. It's something I'm always interested to know yeah. about. Yeah, so I, I wrote my year in review of 2019 uh, a couple of days ago and normally, I, my eighth year of doing it, and normally I do another like mini post about my goals for the coming year. And I've not done the goals post this year because I realised looking back at them, they're always a bit of a mixture of personal and business ones, but they're they're always like, I write down like a wish list of what I think I want to do and actually they don't normally turn out because I'm not concentrating on them as much. So I've not done it this year, mm-hmm. but I mean, immediately with the plugins, like the Instagram plugin, um, I, I can't remember if I've spoken about this, but the Facebook API, that looks like there's a new API that is given kind of a parity of features between the legacy Instagram and the new Facebook. So I need to make my Instagram plugin um, compatible with that before they turn off the legacy one in March, I think. But okay. that's a good thing. It's a bad thing because it means more work, but it's a good thing means that the plugin can live on. So I'm actually going to, mm-hmm. you know, I feel a lot more energized about the plugin because it, I know it has a potential longer future. Um, Great. So I'll probably be doubling down on um, maybe a few more releases and some improvements to the marketing site. And that's t- coupling with my plans for WP user manager. I think in terms of feature set and add-ons, it's good. It needs perhaps a few tweaks here and there, but I need to improve the marketing and I need to improve basically traffic, like um, search engine optimization, anything that will get more eyes on the plugin uh, website and potentially 
you know, increase revenue that way is probably my goal. And so hopefully I'll, I'll do that hand in hand with the Instagram plugin as well to try and, you know, get it better on Google and get more eyes on it. What about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, a mixture of, of kind of work in the home things, really. Uh, the the work side of things is I definitely want to improve my website this year. So I was very busy with kind of one on two, one or two clients last year. And my website really didn't get much in the way of an update Do you at mean all. So made really, with fuel or better than if you, Yeah, made know. with fuel, yeah. Um, I, the impending uncertainty around kind of Brexit kind of bothers me. And I realized that I need to spend a bit more time, you know, looking at my uh, my website and, and kind of just developing it a bit more really. And uh, there's a few things that I've got in mind to do there and I kind of want to get stuck into some more design work. So that'll be something good uh, and something I want to try and sort out as soon as I can. Um, the, obviously the plugin it's, and, and the add-ons, something will definitely happen there uh, probably sooner rather than later, but I need to have the time to deal with all of that as I've just sort of mentioned. Um, uh, work-wise, not, not a huge amount of other stuff. I, I want to kind of look at some of my process this year. I've had more or less the same kind of development process for a little while now, um, same kind of suite of apps, uh, same kind of um, build and deployment kind of process. And I want to look at, you know, other things I'm missing out on. Are there new things out there that I, I haven't looked at? Um, I want to move away, for example, from um, local by flywheel at some point and to make just get something that's a bit more um, sort of slick, more integrated with Mac OS. So it's there's less of a disconnect of it being an app rather than something running on my computer, that kind of thing. So I'm just going to investigate that, think about that. I've used, you know, like VVV before and that's good, but quite a hog, you know. Um, so I want to sort of look at Docker and all that sort of stuff again, really. It's been a while. Um, from think, a home perspective, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, I think local are doing something different to local by flywheel. They're doing local lightning, which is much more of a uh, an, an app that runs, not container stuff, but you know your local system. And I think from the sounds of it, it's going to be good. So yeah, just sorry, interrupting you keep an eye out for that that might be a better way i will i i want to say that there are some features that i use currently in local that i will not be available in local lightning ah. um so I, I'll, I am keeping my eye on it just in case it uh it, it doesn't do quite what i want it to do and i have to kind of change or you know because mm. then the writing will be on the wall for how long local actually lasts for and works with you yeah. know subsequent mac os updates and stuff um from a home perspective, um, I've got this kind of patch next to my office, which is where the sun comes in to the garden last in the evening. And it's where our sort of table and chairs are. And that's going to get decked out in the spring. So I'm looking forward to spending more time outside in, in, my, in my garden this year. Um, my biggest aim, though, is to be more eco-friendly this year in lots of ways. And we've already started that over the Christmas kind of period. And a big part of that is buying a secondhand electric car. Oh, nice. And it's something that I have wanted to do for as long as I can remember. Um, and it's just about finding one. Uh, it's the wrong time of year to buy a car. You know, it's cold. No one wants to sell, buy and sell cars. Um, and I'm looking for an electric car. And no kidding, in the whole of the UK, um, electric cars under like the £10,000 kind of mark, over the Christmas period, there were eight 
in the whole of the UK for sale. There were wow. just there was no no one was selling them. Um, so it's something I want to investigate. But um, I I was going to try and do it like by the end of last year. It didn't happen. I definitely want to get one this year, and I think I'll be a much happier person knowing that all the little journeys that I do in and around the local area, school drop-offs, nursery drop-offs, things like that, are all going to be done without effect, adversely affecting the environment by you mm. know via exhaust fumes. Um, we have green energy at home. We have a green energy supplier, so I know that at least charging my car at home, which is what I'll do 99% of the time, will be you know less of an impact. So that's something I really want to focus on. And I've already started looking at that in terms of my websites as well. Um, so I use a, a, a hosting company that's a green energy provider, uh, sorry, that uses green energy. So that's good. But my BNFW site doesn't do that, which is on DigitalOcean. And DigitalOcean don't seem to have any plans or you know indication that they're doing anything with green energy, which is a bit of a shame. But it might mean that I do have to move it to another provider so i'm kind of investigating all of that this year which i think is going to be quite a big undertaking in all elements of my life actually so yeah. it's pervasive in terms of what you have to do yeah that's i mean your uh your approach there is is definitely the right one and admirable that you're doing it because i yeah we've got two diesel cars and it's terrible and need to sort it out but yeah priorities are, are hard to, to manage at the moment um yeah yeah nice it is yeah cool well it's good to all chat right then to you. well we've yeah yeah it, it's good to chat to you too it's a nice well it's quite a long first episode i hope um you've listened to the to the end and if if you have thanks very much if you want to give us a review um you can go to pressingmatters.fm forward slash review which will take you through to itunes um if you want to find ian myself on twitter i am at jack mcconnell and that's M C O N E L L and Ian, you are is it Pole Vault Web? Yep, at Pole Vault Web. Yep. Great. Nice. And uh yeah, anyone wants to say anything, that's uh just get in touch. Say hi. Mm-hmm.